new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast, live episode number 220. The Success 101 podcast has now been heard in 87 countries, pushing toward 90. Could you name 87 countries? No, in fact, some of them, whenever I look at the demographics, I'm like, I've never heard of that. Is that a country? That's crazy. Maybe it's just a bunch of made-up names. I don't know that I can name 87 countries. No. That'd be a lot of work. Uh, Let's see, Texas. Guys, thanks for being back. I want to just dive straight in this morning. There's a couple of really good books that I've been reading. One is brand new, and the other two I've read before, and it's just been so good to get back into them. But one is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And, you know, for a lot of guys out there, I had a real good friend of mine, a client of mine, who introduced me to that book, and he said it was just awesome because it's talking about vulnerability, which most guys out there don't want to go pick up a book about vulnerability, right? But it really talks about if you're a leader out there, you got to get your hands on this thing because it talks about how it frames it from a position of strength and how we are relational people. We were created to be in relationship in order to want to communicate. But then also as you know, from a leadership standpoint, that communication has to be really loaded with vulnerability, which I would say people in general in today's time aren't great at, but guys especially aren't great at. And, uh, and so I'd encourage you guys to get that. It's Awesome. I mean, it's just been so good. And you have to, you know, you kind of have to hear it or read it to see what I'm talking about. The other two is my Mark Divine, The Way of the Seal and Unbeatable Mind. I've been through, this is my third time to go through Unbeatable Mind, second time to go through The Way of the Seal. I'm going to have Mark's episode come out here in the next couple of weeks, but just the leadership, mindset focus, strategy on achievement. And really, you know, really, I would, there's a lot more to it, but I would boil it down to thinking like a Navy SEAL. How do you get focused on, Number one, your purpose and why you do what you do, so your big why, but then also your front sight focus, as he calls it, which is the SEALs are trained to do one thing at a time, but they're trained to do it so fast and efficiently. It looks like they're carrying out so many different things on every mission or their training drills, but at any one given moment, they've got their front sight focus on one thing at a time. And, you know, it goes back to everything that we say all the time. It's just how do we get noise out of our face and how do we get to a point where we're focused on the most Optimum thing that's going to really move the needle. Yeah, that's awesome. So I encourage you on both of those things as uh, so to go names and check of the it books. Out. One more time: The Way of the Seal and Unbeatable Mind cool. by Mark Divine, and then Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Great. When it comes to a lot of these leadership things we're talking about, what I really want to dive in today is just his acronym of Direct, and he talks about this in The Way of the Seal. For those of you guys out there who have read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's your mental control. He talks so much about mental control, especially an unbeatable mind. How do we just calm everything down? So it's really cool and just says, look, this is the way the Navy SEALs do it, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, I just read the book Stealing Fire by Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler, which is it's amazing. But a lot of it is just around mindfulness and how we get into these flow states, which more and more people are coming out and saying, you know, it's not just a feeling. It's actually changing the way your brain waves are you know, people that are in mindfulness and meditation practices and things like that, where they calm their mind several times a day, have more of a theta alpha brain wave than more of, you know, some of the delta and other things that are out there. So we don't have time to go into that. But at the end of the day, sounds like sorority talk. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it actually does. But it's, it's just science. science. So it has to be real. But your mind is really working on these neural pathways and setting these new neuronal connections to where if we don't tap into that and we say, oh, this, you know, that's all just hocus pocus, it's a feeling, whatever, we're really not going to be 
great leaders. And there's yeah. a reason that more and more people are coming out talking about this right now. But he's got an acronym about uh, that says direct, spelled just as it sounds, direct. And the D, I'll run through these real fast. I'll put them in the show notes. But the D is to detect. Okay, so and a lot of this is thinking, again, like Navy SEALs, but then right. applying that to the business world. But you have to figure out and get really good at detecting everything that's in front of you, every thought that's distracting you or every thought that you're using to focus. Any of that, even the good part of it is going to deplete your energy and you got to deal with it. And your negative thoughts are going to deplete your energy much faster. Yeah. But the problem is we're not peeling back. We're not pushing back from the desk or, you know, wherever you are each day and really taking timeouts to sit there and say, okay, what have I been thinking about today? What have I been thinking about for the last hour? How much energy am I spending on that? Is this helping me or not? And just, you know, really just doing a reset. So Talks awareness. A lot about, yeah, awareness. Talks a lot about breathing work in there. He created box breathing that we've talked about before, those sort of things. So the D is to detect. Detect the negative thoughts that are coming into your mind and be able to remove those from the focusing thoughts that you know you need to move forward with. Right. The second thing is the I, which is interdict, which is not a word that we use a lot in today's time. But basically, he talks about this idea of, of a sentinel that's standing watch at the gate. You know, back in you know Greek and Roman times, a sentinel would stand watch at the gate and basically keep anything out that was harmful or unhealthy that shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be in there. Yeah. And basically, he says, if your sentinel detects a negative or useless thought, you've got to interdict it. You've got to intercept it. You've got to stop it with a simple command such as stop or no. And it's, it feels weird at first. And he goes into this dialogue of just how to sit, how to talk to yourself, basically, mm. in a positive and healthy way. But using words like stop and no, or phrases like, I will not allow this to sabotage the day, you know, that I'm trying to have. Any of those things that we really stop and just interdict or intercept those negative thoughts is going to help us to wire that in. Again, yeah, gatekeeper, basically. Yeah, gatekeeper, resetting those neuronal connections to where you focus on it more. The R is similar. It's, it's redirect. Okay, so once you've detected it, once you've intercepted it, now it's time to redirect it. Many times, I'm guilty of this in the past, but many times you would intercept a negative thought and you would try to redirect it. But two seconds later, you've redirected into another negative thought like, oh, well, now I'm worried about this that I wasn't even thinking about before, right? <laughs> so once you stop the negative thought, and this is so important, guys, once you stop the negative thought, you have to redirect into more positive thoughts, even if you're not really sure what to be positive about in the moment. Yeah. And that's where the attitude of gratitude and the, art, the practice of gratitude and those sort of things come in handy. Because if you're not doing this in today's time, we're just not wired this way with all the noise around. If you're not doing this, you're not going to have it built in as a habit, right? The E is to energize. So as you can tell, each one of these is a building step toward the next, but you've got to energize. You've got to solidify that new thought, that positive thought that you've just brought in, and you have to get basically your whole mindset around that, even if you have to talk yourself into it a little bit, because there's many positive things out there that we should be extremely grateful for that we view with about that much, you know, oh, yeah. an, an inch of positivity. For sure. When really an outsider might look at it and go, Dude, you're crazy. There's so much that you have to be grateful for, and you're talking about it as if it's this, this small thing, yeah. right? So we've got to energize our whole mindset around it, even if we have to talk ourselves into it. It's a new psychological state of mind that matches up with that mental shift that you're trying to go toward. The C is communicate, okay? And the communicate, really, he says, is an insurance policy where even if you misstep in any of the other steps, if you communicate, you really can help yourself from sliding right back into negative thoughts. And that's where you're talking to yourself in a new way that's going to override any of those negative thoughts that might creep in. And then the last one is train. Your mind 
we've talked about this, your mind is extremely powerful, but only if you train it. He says your mind can be, it can be a powerful ally or it can be a very slothful friend Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's sabotage. But he says, you've got to practice this daily, just like you would exercise your body. So I would encourage you guys on that out there. Just think of the acronym direct. And again, those words detect, detect the negative thought that's coming in or detect the things that could be distracting you and pinpoint them, figure, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times we just want to move those out of the way and not look at them and, you know, try to just keep muscling it through, as I've said before, but we've got to detect it. We've got to view it. We've got to see it for what it is. We've got to interdict or we've got to intercept that thought. We've got to redirect it to a new one. We've got to get our whole mindset around that, communicate why it's important. Again, the insurance policy that we keep communicating to ourselves why that's important. Even if we have to talk ourselves into it, it keeps us from sliding backwards. And then the most important one is train because none of that matters if you're not training yourself to do it daily. Regularly. You'll try it. And then six months later, you'll think about the exercise and go, man, I, I was doing that for a little while, but I didn't keep training myself. Right. Yeah. And just this idea of the sentinel is just pretty awesome to me. It's just, you really have to have your sentinel standing at the gate of your mind each day as a leader, but also just as, you know, just someone that's working in your own business or an employee, or it doesn't matter if you're here in this podcast, all of these things tie in together to helping you become better and reach really reaching that maximum or peak, peak performance state that we talk about. And then eventually just getting into flow, which, you know, mm-hmm. psychologists talk about flow just being something that could be really hard or difficult, but you're so in the zone, you're so connected with your purpose and your why that, you know, it doesn't even really feel like work. Yeah. I think a real life example of that is, you know, a lot of our business is picking up the phone and dialing, calling our current clients, calling prospective clients. And that's a, that is a part of the, of our business that a lot of people struggle with. And so a healthy habit is every time you go to pick up the phone, if you don't want to do it or you, you feel nervous to do it is to call that out. Why is it that I'm even nervous to call this person? But first recognize that there's some nervousness there, right? So recognize it. Yeah. Don't just avoid it. Don't avoid it. Which we're great at doing. Identify why, why am I nervous? What is it that's self-doubt on the inside of my brain? Is it because I feel like I've got nothing of value to bring to the table? Well, what are some areas that I can bring value to this person, right? Telling yourself, here's X, Y, and Z, or here are the ways I brought value to other people just like this person I'm about to call and enforce that into your brain, you know, remind yourself of all the ways that you bring value, you know, just to people like this person. So it's identifying that I'm, you know, I'm doubtful or I'm nervous. It's, you know, detecting it, it's identifying it. It's then saying, okay, well, I know that this is a thing. Why is this a thing? Right. Right. Where is it coming from? And then redirecting it or stopping it, redirecting it, you know, with the opposite, I bring value because of X. Yeah. And you got, you got to train yourself. You got to train yourself to do do it. it. That's the biggest thing. You're wasting your time. I hate to say that, but you're wasting your time thinking that it's going to be a good habit for you if you're not training yourself to do that. Yep. I think maybe in the past, our brains uh, could operate a little bit better. That way we had less stuff going on. We could focus on more things. We could notice things for where it was because of all the noise not being there. Nowadays, you're thinking about so many different things that it's hard to even stop and do these things, even if you're mindful of it. Yep. You know, and I just mentioned in the last live episode, uh, when I was going through the vision building exercise, the uh, highlight reel that, you know, we normally put a grade on our life in a, you know, quick 24 hour or for people who are working each day, maybe a 12 to 15 hour window 
and we determine if we were successful or not. Yep. And many times, like you just mentioned, we're not stopping and pushing back and saying, why, like, let's identify this thing, but why is it even a thing? Yep. And so many times we grade ourselves on things <laughs> that are trivial, meaning that it affects us, but maybe not other people. And we just let it absolutely wreck us. That's what I love about a lot of Mark's work is really calling it out for what it is, but then also showing how, you know, some of our top leaders and defenders in the world are implementing and have been implementing this training and will continue doing so because it's so effective. And he's bringing that into the business world as well with Fortune 500 CEOs and, you know, all these giant corporations that he's working with. I mean, the dude is super brilliant, super smart. And I would just, I can't encourage you guys enough to go check it out. Yep. Awesome. And if you had to start with one, I would say start with Way of the Seal. The Unbeatable Mind gets into a lot more of this mindfulness work and mindfulness practice. But Way of the Seal to me was a little bit more the basic foundations of how do we lead, how do we operate our life each day before we really start working on a lot of this training. Yeah. That kind of makes me think about really what we're talking or what I had planned to talk about a little bit today. Being vulnerable, you know, with people really is so powerful. Just in building a team and building an environment where people want to work hard for you, right? Which is incredibly tough. Yeah. Very few people do that well. Yeah. So I read this article in the 70s, a lot of popular social theologists, or not theologists, but theorists, thought all of every work would be done remotely. They said eventually we could work from Mount Everest and there would be no need for an office. And this article talks about how that's not really the case. And one of the reasons why that's not the case is because building a culture really is so important and people crave human interaction and communication is just still easier when you're staring at somebody across the table, right? Than it is if we're doing a video chat. I mean, I do a lot of video chats, but there's something to being able to, to see somebody in real life, maybe to shake their hand. There's a lot of body language that we, we may still even miss in communication. Just talks about how important if, you know, a place for community to be built and a place for uh, people to actually interact in real life in terms of, of commerce. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. And I know I had mentioned this morning that I had some ideas on that, and you had some, some pushback on why you think that's way off. Give me well, and, and as you're saying that, I'm kind of thinking here, I think there's two angles to address it from. If those people in the past were saying that you could work from Everest, you know, the mindset of an entrepreneur nowadays with just everything being technology-based the way it is, is that I can go work anywhere. And lots of people are doing that. I've got some friends right now and people I've interviewed on the podcast that are running their online business from Thailand and from Indonesia and from the Philippines and all these places where it's like, you know, I'm going to go here for a while and then I may be in Europe a while. I may, in, you know, it's awesome. I would think that those people at some point, just because of the way that we're wired, they would want to be settled, but maybe not. So that would be the first angle is, yes, that is correct. You can go work from Everest, as you mentioned, yep. or you could go you know, work from anywhere. But then also the pushback that I was going to give, or that would be maybe some of the pushback is you were saying something about being in an office environment when you were telling me some of what you were going to talk about and saying that Google buses their people in or whatever. There is a tremendous value, especially if you're in a sales role or a consulting role or where you're needing people to take action on something. I was telling somebody just yesterday about this, how the eye-to-eye contact, you can't put a price on that yep. in business. So I think there are some businesses out there that even if you're entrepreneurially based, depending on what you do, you may have to have that eye-to-eye contact, but then with other businesses, you can be just a little bit of a... 
Well, and I think there's a big difference between being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Which is what we talk about a lot. We've yeah, right? we talked about that before. So the idea of an entrepreneur is you can be a lone wolf, right? Maybe you can take over the world by your lonesome, right? Or work online. You've got some sort of e-commerce business that you don't really need a physical workspace. All you need is a computer and maybe you're drop shipping something from China. Pretty easy to do. Maybe you're a graphic designer who can 1099 subcontract to other designers, right? That type of deal, you don't need an internal staff working for you, you know, day in, day out, right? Yeah, virtual assistants are fine. Exactly. But when you are a business owner and not just simply an entrepreneur, when you run a team and you need a team on a daily basis, creating a culture becomes very important. Yeah. And so I thought maybe we'd, we'd spend a couple minutes, I was brainstorming just some ideas that I see as good culture building habits. First one is cast a vision daily, right? So if you want to motivate people, they need to know what are we trying to accomplish, right? You know, having a daily vision cast, even if it's just as you're passing in the hall a quick, hey, we're going to do this week, right? Or we're going to accomplish X in the next this year, you know, casting a vision daily and being vulnerable, like what we talked about, being vulnerable with your team is going to allow for that, that to become more of their vision, right? If they know why you want what you want and you've made it very clear what you want, it becomes very easy for them to, to latch themselves on and for them to make that their. Yeah. And for that to work, you have to be not only a great communicator. I mean, we're all going to misstep from time to time, but you have to be intentional about getting your team together. I find that a lot of business owners out there are, you know, they're trying to do, and I'm guilty of this too sometimes, and I'm I'm trying to get past this, uh, or earlier was trying to get past some of this. There's so much technology out there that you can literally, you know, we use Voxer, we use other things. I mean, you can literally just communicate with your team in ways that you never have before, where you don't even have to be in the room. But again, the eye to eye is good. All of that's good. But as a leader, if you're not willing to pull your team together daily and say, let's refocus on our mission, our vision, what we're doing, Mark Devine would call that your stand. What is your anchor when everything's chaotic that you know you're still driving toward? Yep. To be able to communicate that. But then also, I think a lot of leaders aren't communicating that because maybe they're creative enough, but they don't think they're creative enough to make that vision seem a little new each day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, we just went over this. Two days ago, I don't need to have another meeting to bring people in. And you don't, yep. you know, I think of Patrick Lencioni's book, Death by Meeting. It's like, we don't need to meet just to meet. But I think there is something valuable in creating a culture where your people know why they're following you and yep. what your mission is, even if you've repeated it several times this week already. Yeah. I think a, s- a second idea I had was find out what motivates your team, right? Not just your team as a unit, but each individual. What is it that gets them out of bed every morning? their spouse? Is it their children? One thing that the leadership in my office did for me early on is anytime I would achieve something that was set out in front of me, they would buy my wife flowers or, you know, send her to get a massage or her nails done or whatever, because they knew that what motivates me is my wife being happy. Right. Or they knew you weren't doing those things for her. (laughs) (laughs) One or the other, one or the other. Just kidding. Um, And, what that allowed for is my wife bought in quick to what it is that I do because, you know, they took an interest in her interests, right? So I think there's... The spousal buy-in is so important. It is so powerful. If you can figure out what it is that drives your team on an individual basis 
and tap into that, they're going to work hard. They're going to work hard because you care about what they care about. And we talk about that a lot, but Mm -hmm. it's so important to care about what whoever it is that you're communicating with cares about, right? And if you do that well, people will move heaven and earth for you. Yeah. And it could be uh, seemingly just to you, meaningless thing, you know, things that just don't matter, but to them it does. If you don't ask those questions, you don't know. So what I do with my staff in the past, what I've done is I've sat them down and said, really tell me what motivates you. And then, you know, lay out the vision for that. And what I found over the years, it's really interesting, especially with, you know, it's different between male and female spouse. You know, I'm just as happy receiving income for my efforts. Many times, executive assistants, staff, personnel, people like that that are working for you and working for your vision, it may seem silly. I mean, everyone likes getting money, right? But many times, if you just give them a check or a bonus or a gift card, like just a gift card, like a Visa card with money on it, they use that for their electricity, their gas, their groceries. It just kind of becomes another thing. So what I started doing is saying, where are the stores you would shop at? Where are the places that you would go if money wasn't you know, an issue and you didn't have to think about it? And that really got down to the root of where do I need? I could still buy a gift card, but it's to a specific store or it's to a specific place, not just here's some extra money for what you did. Yeah. But you may have some people that say, you know what? I really don't care about having a specific place. I may want to go do my own thing. So you really have to dig in. Do a, you know, do a state of the, you know, state of the union for your team once a month and then really sit down about every six months and revisit what fuels you, what motivates you. And that way you can be a great employer. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Another idea is encourage and reward learning, continuing helping your staff take part in their own continuing education. To me, that's super impactful, right? Because in my opinion, people want to grow. They don't want to be stagnant right? They want to progress, especially in in the workplace, right? We want to grow in our abilities to perform. And if we can reward our team to do more and to learn more, that's going to create an environment where people are empowered and want to work harder. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's super powerful. Next thing is focus on when we are hiring, hiring people that don't just fit the role that we're trying to fill, but also line up personality-wise with the rest of the team, right? Because we can run into a whole lot of problems if somebody is super qualified but doesn't get along with this, the rest of the staff. And that's a tough one because it's tough to know who's going to fit with who, right? Yep. Personality tests are, are healthy, you know, to, to at least try on. But, you know, I think that kind of goes back to just knowing your staff, knowing your team, right? Really knowing, you know, kind of what makes them tick and how they interact with the rest of the team is going to you know, really be impactful when it comes time to make new hires. Yeah, Have you seen and, that? And, yeah and again, I just I want to reiterate that most employers out there, even if they're good or great at communicating their own vision, they're not great or take the time many times, I should say, to dig into those intricacies with each individual person. They just assume we went through the interview process, we maybe did a personality profile test, we did some grading, some measurements, we had a couple rounds of interviews, everything seems great, we agreed on everything. Now we've found the right person. I'll communicate my vision to them just as I did with my other three staff members over here, and we'll all be running the same. I found that the interview process is kind of a sham, honestly. I mean, it has to be done because there's no other way to do it. But who doesn't say all the right things in an interview? Yeah. Who doesn't answer many times the personality profiles the way you would want, the way they think you would want them to answer it? And then you get somebody in and you realize, hey, they are a hard worker. Some of the things did come through, but the personality I thought they had and the way they're matching up with my team over here, even though they're talented in their own right and what they're doing, 
we're not matching up. So how do you take the talents that you need and get it all running on the same page? I mean, businesses spend billions of dollars a year through consulting trying to figure this out. So if you're a business owner, great, take heed to this. But even if you're just a leader within an organization where you've got some people underneath you, I mean, most people, I've heard the stat time and time again, most people don't leave where they are because they are upset with the pay or with, you know, even their role sometimes. It's all about how they are being communicated to from the top down. And if that's not sitting well, if somebody really loves and respects the vision that someone creates and the digging in and the diving in they do around their own personal uniqueness and they feel special with that, they'll do a job for years. I've seen this happen. They'll do a job for years that they really never saw themselves in or thought they'd be passionate about. Yeah. But it's the top level stuff that they feel like it's a great culture, great environment. Yeah. Well, the environment is so important. So one of the, I think the biggest things that when creating a culture that matters is creating an environment where people feel like they have a community. Um, You see all these startups around town um, where they'll have, you know, latte machines in the break room and they'll have beer kegs on tap. And that's like a super, (laughs) that's a big trend right now, right? The idea is at four o'clock, you can go grab a beer and you can work from your desk. What could I put in this office? You got me thinking now. I put something in here. You put a beer keg in the the back corner right here. That would work here, but maybe something. And so the, the thought there is we want to create a fun working environment where people are relaxed, they work hard, they enjoy being at the office, they have some community within the office. A lot of companies are moving away from having, you know, offices with walls. Yeah. I was in an office maybe last week, the week before. I think it was Toyota, some company. And just, just wandering around in there. Yeah, I was just walking around. I was getting a tour of the campus. One of the the workers that I was I was taking a tour with, his boss had an office. It was, you know, real fancy. And he says, Yeah, my boss is never in there. He chooses to work on the floor, really in the pit with everybody else. And I thought, man, that's really neat. And you come to find out that happens a lot. Yep. You know, guys, I do that. I find that I do that often. Instead of sitting in my office and making phone calls, often I'll go downstairs where some of the young advisors are and I'll just dial in the pit where all the young advisors are because they're hungry. I used to right? love doing that. And I miss those days. It's like the boiler room. You yeah. know, you, you go down and the energy level is high. It's just a good environment. It's fun. It's exciting. And, you know, it's cool to be just one of the boys. Well, right? it's, it's vulnerability. Whenever it people is. see that, it's true. You know, it's true leadership. We talked about it at one point, not to get off on a tangent here, but we talked about at one point, this office that we're in right now, if we run out of space here, you know, moving is incredibly expensive, especially if you're looking at the bottom line. And, you know, I'd said and basically agreed to saying this is a good idea that if we run out of space, which still could happen here, you know, I'm fine moving out of this thing and just making like, you know, six cubicles here in this office. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. We'd have to figure out how to, you know, kick those guys out and do our podcast here. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm fine doing that. I think it builds healthy culture. It definitely does. And then the last idea is sponsor work events early and often. You know, I think really great leaders, they do things off campus, right? They invite their team to happy hours. They invite their team to go play, you know, go do bowling or whatever it is, right? Race Find car ways to... Huh? Race car driving. Yeah, race That's car what I'm driving. trying to organize yeah. for my team right now. Exactly. Speed track. Find ways to build community outside of the office. And that's going to be effective in when you, we are making new hires, making sure that they get acclimated to the rest of the team and there's not not a bunch of tension with the rest of the team yeah. early on. 
Yeah, that's great. Building culture is, and I'd, I'd love to dive into this a couple more episodes because it's just for leaders out there. Maybe we do that. You know, it's one of those things where you can never learn enough. And I'm going through that right now, just with, you know, a couple of things in leadership. You can never learn enough about these things. It's a lifelong learning process. And just when you think you've got a lot of it figured out, you'll get that different personality in there, or you'll get someone that's upset with something. You can't please everybody. And then you've really got to go back to the drawing board for that season of time, maybe that season of team that you have then that might be different than the next season. Yep. However many years later, you have to scrap it because that doesn't work. So many leaders get stuck in what they're doing and they don't really take the time to do, you know, different things. So guys, as we wrap up the podcast, thanks so much for just your support. And again, Success 101 podcast. Uh, hopefully we get it to, uh, I don't know, total countries. I should know this. Total countries in the world, 200 and something. But we just love the fact that more and more people are downloading and it just gives us fulfillment to know that, you know, hopefully you guys are taking away some nuggets from this. Again, new concepts and ideas to help you maximize your peak potential. That's not just a catchy phrase. That truly is my vision with this is if we can just drop little nuggets your way and really help you reach that peak potential, then we're, we've succeeded at yes. this as long as you're using it and utilizing it. So he's Jordan Earls. I'm Jared Warren. If you want to connect with us by email is the best way, which is info at success101podcast.com or in social media on Instagram. He is the Duke of Earls. I am at success101podcast or you can catch us over on Facebook. Thanks so much and keep writing in as to how uh, you're using these strategies. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.